This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. Yeah. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Break layers and ball shorts. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amar Hawkins. I appreciate you rocking with your boy on another episode. Of the show today's episode, we got to recap the Wahoos' latest victory, and it was against the Florida State Seminoles here at Scott Stadium in front of nearly, nearly sixty thousand. We was close; I think it was around fifty thousand people that was there at Scott Stadium on Saturday night, live on ACC Network, as they were victorious by a score of thirty-one to twenty-four. Before we get started, got to shout out the sponsors. Go to AbraInsurance.net. Abra Insurance. Uh, for home, auto, business, life insurance, Abra Insurance is what you need to get into your life. Call an agent today, 434-979-0814. If you're in the Richmond area, 804-741-6305. Or you can call toll-free, 844-588-4636. Abra Insurance provides the best combination of coverage and price for auto home life and business insurance just give us a chance to give you a quote there's no obligations to you so holler at Abra insurance and if you're in a if you're looking for a home whether it's high class whether it's a lot of land holler at my man connor murray realtor so if you're on facebook look him up connor murray realtor you could go to his site contact him dm him Check him out, man. He'll definitely get you linked up for a nice spot. If you're on Instagram, also go to Connor Murray Real Estate. You'll always see him attached to my new episode um, post. You'll see sponsored by Connor Murray Real Estate. So holler at him, man. If you're looking for a place to invest, you're looking for a getaway place, you're transitioning, you're moving in the Charlottesville area, definitely holler at my man Connor Murray. And now the football season is here. People like to make friendly bets. Why don't you bet some crow cookies? Go to crowcookies.com. Losing never tastes so good. Make your partner eat some crow, literally, with crow cookies, man. They got some great flavors, man. Soul loser. They got all you need. So go to crowcookies.com. So let's jump right back into it, man. If this is your first time tuning into the Ball Hawk Show podcast, I want to welcome you. You family now. So uh, let's jump right into it. 
First, what we do here at the Ballhawk Show podcast, we go over numbers because everybody loves stats. Everything is driven by numbers today. So I like to break down the summary of the numbers. I give you some player notes also, and then I get into my X's and O's of what I saw during the game that I know a lot of people look forward to. Um, They always email me uh, various questions and, and topics they want me to talk about when I'm recapping the game. So I love to just answer all the questions that folks provided to me because they knew I was going to drop the podcast on the Monday. So when we're looking at the numbers, the score was what it was, 31 to 24. I predicted 31 to 17 on a Cavalier countdown right before the game. So Florida State scored one more touchdown, but my Wahoos didn't let me down because they scored 31 points. Uh, When we look at first downs, Virginia had the advantage, 27 to 21. Uh, Net rushing yards, UVA had 120 as a team. Florida State was limited to 90. Five. When we look at net passing yards, UVA won that battle, 295 yards through the air, limiting Florida State to 234 yards in the air. Total yards, we had 415. Florida State had 329. Coming to the game, Florida State was giving up over 500 yards. So for them, that was a plus in a sense, but they still gave up over 415 yards. Uh, we ran 76 plays on offense. They ran... 66 plays they had 10 penalties for 83 yards we had nine penalties for 97 yards and I think we was only penalized maybe two or three times coming into this game alone uh some more stats that may jump out to you guys uh time of possession UVA had the ball for 39 minutes and 44 seconds Florida State had the ball for 20 minutes and 16 seconds. So let's go ahead and round it. UVA had the ball for 40 of the 60 total minutes in the ball game. This is why their defense dies in the end. They play with a high tempo and they're not getting off the field. And when their offense plays at a high tempo and goes three and out or maybe a five and out, it's a quick turnaround for their defense. And you break it down by a quarter – Florida State had so UVA had the ball 10:45 in the first quarter, 9:47 in the second quarter, then 10:27 in the third quarter, then 8:45. So Florida State had the ball the most in the fourth quarter. If you look at all their quarters, they had the they had the ball six minutes and 15 seconds, and that was the longest they had the ball, and they scored seven points. Florida State actually scored for the first time in the third quarter all season when they kicked their field goals, but they still can basically be seen as a front runner because um, they scored a the majority of their points in the first half. They came in scoring 75 points total in the first half. They scored 14. Um, conversely, they only scored 14 points in the second half on the season. And I think they scored an additional touchdown in overtime, but you get the drift. Um, third down conversions, UVA struggled. We were just 5 of 12. And Florida State was very good. They were 7 of 16. Uh, red zone scores, we were 4 or 5, and they were 3 or 4. Sacks, they had 2, we had 3. So, look at some individual stats. Wayne Papa, my man of Simone Slash, they had 53 yards rushing, 3 touchdowns, average 3 yards, basically two, well, 2.9, 3 yards to carry. Bryce Perkins carried the ball 12 times, cram, you know, scramble, sack, whatever you want to call it. 46 total yards, 3.8 yards to carry. Cam Akers came in averaging 150 yards rushing. We limited him to 78, so we basically halved him. He only averaged 4.3 yards a rush with a long of just 17. Uh, LeBourne had 
27 yards. He had a 36 long, but he lost nine yards. And that was it. Passing, Blackman attempted 37 throws, had 234 yards and three touchdowns, no interception. He was sacked three times. Perkins attempted 41 passes, connected on 30, um, had two interceptions, 295 yards, one touchdown. So basically Perkins has four interceptions in the past two games, but luckily we've won the ball game in spite of that. Uh, Joe Reed led us in catches. He had eight catches, 83 yards, one touchdown. Terrell Janna led us in yards. He had seven catches for 85 yards. Uh, Hasis Dubois has seven catches, 75 yards. Tanner Cowley had three catches, 21 yards. Lamont Atkins had 11 yards on three carries. And my man Billy Kemp got into action, had two catches for 20 yards. Scary Terry for the Seminoles led the way. That's Tamarion Terry had four catches, 78 yards. Uh, Trey McKitty had four catches, 70 yards. Akers caught a touchdown. Hilton caught a touchdown. And Neighbors caught a touchdown for Florida State. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, that Mack truck, Jordan Mack led the way with 13 tackles. He had another sack, and he had two tackles for losses. Devontae Cross had nine tackles from a safety position. ZZ Stop had seven tackles, a sack, and two and a half tackles for a loss. Noah Taylor had five tackles, one sack, and a tackle for a loss, and a pass breakup. Bryce Hall had five tackles at corner, one tackle for a loss, and two pass breakups. Joy Blunt had five tackles. Charles Snowden had four tackles, two pass breakups, and countless quarterback pressures. Brendan Nelson had three. Fomawi had three tackles. Gam had three tackles. Snyder had two tackles. Briggs had two tackles. Bernie had two tackles. Um, Gam and Fomawi had uh, a tackle for a loss apiece. Bernie had a half a tackle for a loss. Nick Grant had two pass breakups and a tackle. Mandy Alonzo had a tackle. Handback had a tackle. And then Joe Reed had a tackle. So those are your defensive stats. And let's jump right into some team notes and player notes. And I'll get into my X's and O's. Appreciate you guys being patient because a lot of people just want to hit the X's and O's. But I got to, you know, you got to make sure you hit all, check all the boxes. Some team notes. We are now 4-15 and 15 all time versus Florida State. We are 3-6 and six all time against Florida State at Scott Stadium. UVA has started a season 3-0 and for the first time since 2005. Uh, UVA is 2-0 to start ACC play for the first time since 2017, the second time since Broncos been a head coach in four years. Uh, ranked 25 by the Associated Press this week, UVA won the game as a ranked team for the first time since winning at Miami 48-0 in 2017 as the nation's number 23 team per the AP poll back then. UVA held FSU to a season-low 329 yards of total offense. UVA's defense has not allowed an offensive touchdown in eight of 12 quarters this season. That's phenomenal. Uh, UVA is 64, I mean, 62, 47, and one all-time in night games. Bronco Mini Hall is six and four all-time here at UVA in night games. Some player notes. In the first quarter, Brian DeLady booted a career-long 49-yard field goal. His previous long was 46 yards against Miami last season. Terrell Jenner finished with a career-high seven receptions and a career-high 85 yards Saturday night. Uh, Bryce Perkins finished with 295 yards passing. It was the first time this season and eight time in his career he has thrown for 200-plus yards. Perkins finished the game with one passing touchdown. 
He has thrown at least one touchdown in 15 of his 16 career games with Virginia. That one game he didn't throw a touchdown pass was what game was that? If I could just think off the top of my head. Might was it Indiana? It might have been Indiana. Might have been. Um, in the monsoon, might have been. Because I know he threw one to Jana versus Pitt. Uh, Perkins finished with a career-high 30 completions and a career-high 41 pass attempts. Perkins was 17-19 in the second half, including 16 consecutive completions. That's, 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 whoo, that boy was on fire. Wayne Tualo Popoff rushed for a career-high three touchdowns. The Samoan Slashes. The Samoan Slash is the first Cavalier to rush for three touchdowns since the J train. Jordan Ellis did it last year versus Ohio. Hasis Dubois had a career-long 35-yard receptions in the fourth quarter on UVA's winning drive. All right, so let's go ahead. So, look, man, yesterday I broke down film for a couple hours, had all these notes, wrote the plays and the outcome, and then I forgot my day on book. At my day on high school. So, I apologize, but I'm going to just have to remember what I had written down. Most of the time, you know, they always say when you write something down, you got a better chance of retaining it. So, I, I feel like I could retain a lot of what all the talking points that I had in my in my, in my scouting pad that I, that I have. So, when we go into the ball game, um, we start with the first quarter, the first drive. I thought we came out. We spread them out four wides, uh, got them out of that 52 defense where the edge rushers had to be linebackers and split between the end man and the slot receiver. Basically, they gave us a three look, uh, a three man look instead of their five man look because we had four receivers, two receivers on each side. Uh, we came out. We basically ran a smash concept or or a hammer concept, whichever it just depends on the office that you're in. Basically, we had short routes and a deep route from the inside, um, at least to the boundary we did when we got the ball to Joe Reed. And um, I just liked the first drive, how we spreaded them out, and we made those edge rushers really have to cover, and we made them have to check out of their initial base package. And that's what – that was my breakdown, if you listen to the pre the preview show of Florida State. With them running at 52, I feel like you got to go three and four receiver wide – and majority of the time, you got to just have three or four threats just out there. Because if you just try to beat Florida State with just your base offense, just two backs, one tight end, or or one back, two tight end, like 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 20 personnel. Anytime you have more than one back in the backfield, you kind of play to their advantage because now they could just keep their ass guys in their home base and bring a safety down for the slot guy. You want, you're not displacing anybody within that front seven. I feel like once you displace guys from the front seven, they ha- like you pretty much dictate that they're going to play zone. They're going to play zone because if they play man, you're going to burn them. And if I could just fast forward to Joe Reed's touchdown, right? We put Joe Reed in as an H-back. They didn't recognize that it was Joe Reed at H-back. They were just being robots. And coach always say, be a football player, not a robot. And even coordinators have to identify that we're putting receivers at running back. It was plenty of times in the game when Billy Kemp was the running back. And they and like I said in, in, in the preview show, they're never going to check to a nickel package. They got linebackers, better yet, edge rushers playing linebacker. 
Anytime you're playing the 52, those edge rushers aren't your traditional linebackers. They're like three, four linebackers as you used to see for the Pittsburgh Steelers or when the Dallas Cowboys ran a three, four. They're edge rushers. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to see a DeMarcus Rare really cover. You're not going to see a Khalil Mack covering. Even though they are linebackers in quotations, they are really edge rushers. You might, you know, they edge, they DNs that stand up. And that's what Florida State has. Anytime we went two back or we showed them some type of formation to where they could stay home, they got to us. They made it difficult for us. But anytime Coach and I spread them out, it was barbecue chicken time, lemon pepper chicken, any type of flavor you want on your chicken, it was time to eat. And our receivers and our route combinations and the way we schemed them up worked to a T. Kurt Benkert put out a tweet that I thought was priceless when he broke down the, the individual that's in the box. When you have a dynamic athlete that can throw the football like a Bryce Perkins, the one thing you really truly don't want to do is max protect. You don't want to max pro. You don't want to have so many guys in the backfield that you allow the defense to have that many more guys in the box. So when they pressure you, you constrict him. Now you keep him confined. All he sees is a bunch of different jerseys and not enough lanes. But when you got three receivers on one side or just four receivers, period, and you're motioning and you got guys shifting, he can see lanes. And it just it, it amazed me that Florida State's defensive coordinator just won't get out of his own way. And I'm glad he didn't because when we needed plays in the fourth quarter, and shout out to Dr. Anai, Dr. Dr. Anai. Dr. Anai was out there writing prescriptions because he was serving them medicine. He was putting them to sleep. He lowered them to sleep at times in the game when we went max pro. You know, we had certain formations that could work. But you could just see, and you could truly have a better appreciation and understanding for Coach and I and the way he sees the game now. And maybe he's gotten better too. But everywhere he's been, his offenses have been record-breaking at the particular school as far as just the total yards, the explosiveness, the consistency as far as just the little nuances and the metrics that you take for offenses. Like, we might complain, and this years it, and, and, you know, you you guys know. I, I, talk, I tell them to his face, like, come on, Coach. Like, what are you doing right here? But when you start to sit back and you truly dissect and kind of view what he's doing offensively, he's setting you up for later. Like, you want to see a coach be successful now, but it's like you don't want to shoot your wad that quick. You don't want to just – if you're a marathon runner, just that first mile, just sprint out and run your fastest mile you ever ran, and then you die in the end. It's like he's setting you up. He's giving you layers and layers of things, giving you more formations and, and different route patterns and different looks to think about, and he can, he's showing you that he can do it. And as soon as you get comfortable and as soon as you think you have him figured out, he, boom, he comes right back to the first series in which he was spreading you out, he was motioning. I'll give you a prime example, right? Um... The first, the first series, we went trips to the field. We motioned the Samoan slasher to the trip side. At the snap of the ball, Joe Reed took a step up the field, came back for a quick screen, right? In the fourth quarter, Coach had Joe Reed at the tailback. He had two receivers to the field. He had the Samoan slasher at the left H-back. He motioned the Samoan slasher to the trip side, and then at the snap of the ball, Joe Reed proceeds to swing right to the field where Tyler Papa motioned to. 
So it end up being, guess what? The same set again. Trips to Joe Reed, a quick screen. But instead of him being at the line of scrimmage at a receiver, he put him at as a running back, and he had Tyler Papa as the H-back. So it was the same play, but it was a different look. And we got a and we got a big play. All right. So then you fast, then you go back, you got Billy Kemp back at running back. He does a little delay route, catches it in the backfield. He does a burst route just to get the defense thinking. Then you come out, you break, you need a score. You got Joe Reed at running back, right? Joe Reed gives you the same appearance that he's about to do a burst right out the backfield. And Bryce looked like he's about to do a sprint out to the left. And then at the drop of a dime, Joe plants his foot and takes a handoff and does a misdirection draw to the boundary for a 20-yard rush. So it's like you got receivers in the backfield. They're not going to run the ball. Let's look for a screen. Because at the sound of the ball, everybody flowed to the strong side of the field, the, the wide side. Joe put his foot in the ground, went misdirection, draw play, to the boundary. It was a setup. I mean, I like that coach and I gave us so many different looks, so many different setups. I could give you another example. We kept motioning Hasis Dubois tight and cracking down anytime we did an inside zone. Motion down, crack. Then we were motion down, set up, snap of the ball. We have a back swing out. We'll have Hasis just skip off the line of scrimmage and then hook up right behind where the edge rusher will go with the back. He just gave you so many different looks. And anytime we came out in trips and we motioned and we overloaded the side, Florida State would point up to the sky or they would hit their helmet. And that's the that's the, that's a universal rule. When you point to the sky, it's zone. Whether it's cover two, it could be cover four, cover six, meaning that it's going to be some deep half or deep quarter players. One of the corners is going to slough off and it's dictate is letting you know that the linebacker is going to play soft, curl the flat. He's either going to buzz to the flat, to the curl area, but either way, you could hook up right behind him. And that's what we started doing. We started hooking up right behind the middle backers because we knew that they had the spy for Bryce Perkins. It was almost like Coach and I listened to my preview, but I know he ain't listened to the preview because I ain't taking credit for it. He ain't do what I said, do. I'm not saying I talked to Coach and I said, you need to do this. I just happened to see the game, and he saw the game the same way. Attack the linebackers. Anytime you got Bryce Perkins, send somebody over the ball. It's going to be there. 10 to 12 yards. Just send somebody right over the ball because they have to take into account Bryce Perkins and his scrambling ability. And what can you say about Houdini, man? We had, it, they, for us, they had some free rushers, and he was juking them in the phone booth. And what I like about this young man now is that he shows – Big lead escape ability as far as he would climb the pocket and keep his eyes downfield. I really like the new move that he's incorporated where he gets his back shoulder through, where he kind of dips it and steps forward, and he automatically gets his left shoulder pointing right back up the field to where he freezes the linebacker because as soon as he gets that left shoulder, that his front shoulder pointed back up the field, it's a threat of letting the ball go right now. When he threw his first interception, the reason why that ball got away from him, he didn't get his shoulder square. Like, he thought he did, but it's a reason why you see quarterbacks when they roll to the left, they gather and they put both hands on the ball. It's reassuring that that left shoulder is pointing in the direction of what they want to throw. So when Bryce was scrambling to the left, he avoided a, a sack by the DN. 
he thought he got his left shoulder through, but he never brought his offhand to the ball to gather it. Because if you gather it, it actually allows your feet and your hips to get through also. If you saw, see that throw, he threw with his chest wide open. And that's why the ball came out high and it came out early. When you gather it, it comes out late and you can follow through. You get to step into it. And that's why it's still behind Billy Kemp. But I just want to give credit to Coach Anon, man, because, you know, to have two straight possessions, I think they went 11 plays and scored a touchdown. And um, listen to my old teammate from NFL Europe, um, Tim Hasselback, who was on the ACC network, the TV copy. And I heard him going at uh, Coach Browse about playing fast. And, you know, Virginia is a methodical offense. I want to say this about Florida State's offense. It's a reason why they play fast. Their offensive line is some trash can juice. Simple as that. They play fast because they have to beat you with tempo. They have to beat you with having the the uncertainty of knowing when to line up, of being very vanilla and things like that. That's why they play so fast. They're not very strong up front. So anytime our defense was allowed to set up and truly dissect their formation and start to communicate with each other – they couldn't move the ball. If you notice, anytime they got big plays, big chunk plays, whether it's a pass play down the field, whether it, it was um, number four having that, that, that long run in the second quarter, it was a tempo play. It was getting lined up and going because our D-line is still trying to get in there certain gaps, trying to find, you know, where's, where's the, the strength? It's to the left or to the, to the right. Or if before the game, hey, if they get in the tempo, the strength is always to the field. And where do you line up at? And if you ran a stunt the last play, now are you vanilla? Are you just reading now instead of attacking? So that's why they play up-tempo, because it's going to dictate that the defense is either going to be vanilla or they're just going to keep getting caught being aggressive and they don't know what's happening. But anytime we got the setup, that's why third down, anytime like they got a penalty, it helped our defense because we got the set. And when we got the set, it was a, it was a wrap. They wasn't going to do anything to us. So that's why it was hard for Coach Browse to sit on the ball with six minutes left. That's why they continue to play fast. You got to go with what got you there. And the con the, the con sign is that is that their defense get tired. Because, you know, Tim said, you know, you take time off, you put the pressure on Virginia to score. And it's just, you know, funny how the Lord works because when he said that, and I look at our last touchdown, drive it only took us two minutes and 20 seconds we actually gave the ball back to them with over two minutes left somebody was like oh we're in the red zone ball hawk we need to you know run some clock i'm like no nah, we're at the stage of our program where we got to just go ahead and score because i believe in our defense anyway you feel me like i felt like if we were just playing if we could just play soft coverage that they didn't have a shot because they chunk, they chunk play guys. The reason why they play fast is a deception. It, it, it gets you, your eyes to be undisciplined and, and linemen to be in different gaps and things of that nature. That's what tempo does to defenses. It gets your mind fried. Catch you off guard. What defense are we in? Or what did coach say in practice? Oh, wait a minute. You know, they, this dude went in motion. What are we going to do now? That's what tempo does. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a clear indicator that something is weak so if you look at our tempo our tempos we get to the line of scrimmage and we actually want to scan and see what you're doing defensively and then we go and Bryce will give you three claps so we're just getting up to the line to see how you're going to line up and see if we can identify if you're just going to a base coverage because we lined up real quick 
because we could play slow, we could play fast. And um, that's what that's what I saw. And and and, and to answer my man Derek, who emailed me, he wanted to know about um, the last series, you know, open receivers. So Scary Terry got open twice versus Bryce Hall. Okay, so the first time when Scary Terry got open and we and and Blackman overthrew him, Bryce's eyes got him in trouble, and his mind got him in trouble. So Bryce didn't recognize. I want to say, how can I frame this? He didn't understand time and place. And I told him this after the game. We spoke can you know I spoke candidly like, like I always do. He got to understand time and place. Yes, you want to be the hero and get your defense off the field. Yes, they've been running hitches. And you know that Scary Terry is very good after the catch. But you got to understand time and place. They got one timeout left. It was under a minute. They If they throw a hitch, you force them to the sideline. You line up again, right? They ran the hitch and go. He jumped the hitch. The lower had him covered. Overthrew him. Incomplete. He got lucky. He had another opportunity. He was playing press. He did a great job of his hands at the line of scrimmage. Terry took an outside release. He shuffled. He controlled that hip. Scary Terry planted, came back underneath on a slant uh, cut. Bryce did a great job of flipping his, re-flipping his hips, dropping his inside foot, replacing that outside hand and putting it on the upfield shoulder. And he had the slant control. But then his eyes played tricks on him again. He looked at Medusa, which is the quarterback. Time and place again. It's under a minute now. They got, I mean, they still had their timeout. If he runs a slant, so what if he catches it? Make him burn the timeout. If he gets the first down, they still have to rush up there. Okay? But he thought he had him controlled. He looked back at the quarterback. What does Terry do? Two steps to the slant. Sluggo, he went up to the, went up the field on a go route. Bryce falls for it. He gets behind Bryce, but good thing Bryce, do, do, you know, he did what we tell all DBs, make sure, if anything, your backside hand is on that upfield hip because he was looking for the slant, so he was going to slingshot. He was going to use Terry's upfield hip to put to snug it a little bit like, pull it like you're spring like you're trying to whip yourself underneath of them and springboard yourself to undercut to pick it off it was a sl- it was a sluggo we call it a slant and go sluggo he grabbed them it worked out that's what you do you beat you grab make them line up again so though that's the two reasons why 15 was open at the end of the game i just want to answer my man shout out to Derek. he's been uh, a listener for years always emailing me the ballhawk9 at gmail.com um, for any insight that he that he wants me to cover in my podcast. So hopefully that makes sense. But other than that, you got to realize, Florida State lined Terry up on their right side every single play. And guess who plays left corner for us? Bryce Hall. They lined up Terry in the slot, I think, one time. And then he caught a dig route when we were playing a short zone um, on a third down. And when Matt hit him in the hip, when he jumped way up there to get the ball. But other than that, man, Bryce showed you why he was a first round. And it was just it was just being over aggressive and really trying to make a play. And I told him, patience at DB is when you make plays. If he just patiently reads the slant route 
and controls the upfield shoulder when he goes to the go route, I guarantee you Blackman was throwing it regardless. Because he figured, hey, I'm going to just throw it deep, and if my guy don't get his incomplete, Bryce would have got a pick because he was letting it go. Bryce would have maintained that upfield shoulder. He would have clamped that upfield shoulder. He basically would have trapped it, and he would have ran the go route for Terry. But that last drive, man, the interference on on Grant was bogus. I kind of understand the Jordan Mack interference, roughing the passer because he elevated and left his feet. I mean, if you land on the quarterback, that just they just it was weak, but they'll call it. You know, that's just what it is. Like a charging, you left your feet, they come up under you. You left your feet on the pass while driving on a kick out, and the guy slides, and you run him over. They call a charging. So that's just what it is, man. But I thought offensively we did a great job of just abusing that fifty-two. They're gonna have to get out of that fifty-two because they play the Clemsons of the world. Anybody that go three and four wise and overload one side, you're, that, that defense can't beat it because you have to play zone. When they played man versus Joe Reed on the out and up from the H back, it was barbecue chicken. You had an edge rusher going up against one of our starting receivers, and we started seeing that. Like, come on, son, you, you're you're come on, get that fifty-two out of here, or or you gonna have to. Some something going is going to have to get like you're putting. If I was a secondary guy playing the 52, I'd be pissed off because I know if they go four or five wide, we're gonna have to play zone or my edge rush is gonna get abused. You're not gonna get pressure on the quarterback with the defensive line. The three interior linemen you got are very good as far as pressuring and collapsing the pocket, but they're not gonna chase down a mobile quarterback. Now, if you're playing Trevor Lawrence, you might got a chance, but even he mobile enough to get away. But Hey, thank you for running that 52 because Coach and I, you know, showed you those last three drives that, hey, I got the Houdini back here. And can we salute Bryce Perkins, man, for his ability to just demonstrate that he he is a complete throwing and running quarterback. He's sliding now. He's he's making big league throws in the windows on the hashes, 12 to 14 yards on the field. He's throttling down receivers on cover two. Um, he missed Chapman because Chapman didn't recognize that the safety was over the top and it was cover two that he has to throttle down and just flash his number so Bryce could fit it right into his chest. Three plays later, Jano ran the same route. Safety was over the top. Jano throttled down and hit him. He got a big game. Recognizing that your your quarterback is going to throw you open. But ha, I digress. Been over 30 minutes, man. Hopefully I broke down the game enough for you guys. Like I said, man, I thought our defensive front played well. Mac ran over their, their guard and got a sack. I thought we filled the holes well. We held a running back average over 150 yards to less than 80 yards. Phenomenal game. We rushed the field because Florida State used to kick our ass all the time. And it's only our fourth time beating them. So that's why we rushed the field. If you don't like that we rushed the field, that's cool. Sit back in your armchair and enjoy the show. And make sure you subscribe to the Ballhawk Show. Until next time, I'm out. I want the whole world spin my record. Shero, the hoodie styles, check game, stay free records. Ho! Shorty girl, fed the death and I'm massaging. Bad news, even be massaging. I got a city hip, I be massaging. Pinky rings on my finger, I'm massaging. I got a speedboat concert, cause I massage. I come and do about a whole kind of large. I be massaging. I be massaged. I'm coming through with Cadillacs and massaging. Yeah, both of constantly massaging. I got GPS, I be massaging. I catch croaker fish, cause I'm massaging. I like a macaroni plate, I be massaging. Even oodles and noodles, I be massaging. Straight out the ghetto, cause I'm
I'm a sergeant. I got ice around my neck cause I'm a sergeant. An even gold chief, I'm a sergeant. A pinky ring iced out cause I'm a sergeant. I got a hundred million dollars, I be massaging. I got ten dollars, I be massaging. I got a thousand dollars, I be massaging. I got twenty two cents and be massaging. I took a penny and be massaging. I tell shorty girl set, I be massaging. The big two. I be massaging, I be massaging, I be massaging. I got a GPS stern with massaging. Whole shit road chain be massaging. I got a Uzi, I be massaging. I got a 12 gauge pump, I massage. I got a hundred thousand, I massage. Ain't broke, I be massaging. I stay paid, I be massaging. I stay late, I be massaging. I hit the poop all night 'cause I'm massaging. She wanna come through loaded and massage. Whole team, we massage. Bad new party constantly massage. Ain't no joke, I be massaging. Even the bacon and eggs, I be massaging. Huh? Polo shirts, Chateau Adidas, I be massaging. I love you, sweetie cake. Spin my record, let me give you the game. Oh, how to get rich. Take a penny, and flip a penny, then 40 billion. Uh-huh. Why I be massaging? What car steering wheel? I be massaging the whole, the whole label of the state free records in the VA. Oh, we be massaging. Let's have a money shot. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.